You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Zachs. Ethan, I don't know if you can feel it, but fall is in the air, leaves are changing, <laughs> and boom, baby, that means I've got a week off school. Hashtag fall break, let's go. Hashtag fall break, you love to see it. Oh my gosh, are you just so excited to get to finally sit back, relax, and play some magic with uh, Twitch chat watching over your shoulder? Oh yeah, you better believe it. I have... Two days of fall break before marching band ruins the second half of fall break. I have <laughs> Wednesday, Thursday, Friday rehearsals, and then we're performing in uh, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis where the Colts play, which is pretty sweet. So that'll be a fun weekend for me and the kids. Sweet. Yeah. Very, very excited for you. I love how you're like, oh, I've got a full week, which is really only two days. <laughs> I mean, it's more like three days. We only have a short practice on Wednesday. So. Okay. All right. Three three whole days of of magical bliss for you. Ben, I have a confession that I must I must make for you and our listeners on the podcast. Oh, I'm intrigued. I don't know about this. Which is that I have been playing Streets of New Capenna oh Alchemy Rebalance. What? <laughs> I know. The podcast I, is over, folks. It's done. Wait, I'm, how have you done this? I don't know. I don't know why. So like sometimes when I'm playing like on my phone, I'm like, oh, I want to play best of one. And so I didn't want to play the Dominaria Alchemy because I don't have those rares crafted and I'm like min-maxing for some reason. So I was like, I'll try the Streets of New Capenna <laughs> best of one draft because I know I'll get Wait, the gems for those rares. stream? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm horrible. I'm just the worst, most degenerate person. But you already knew that. You already knew that about me. I didn't know this levels. We might need to have an intervention, friend. <laughs> Um, but I just keep winning. I just, keep, <laughs> I just keep getting seven wins. I can't stop. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I've been. That's all I have to say. And I have not drafted brokers. I think once maybe my current draft is brokers, but mostly I've just been drafting black cards cause no one's taking them. Do you feel dirty right now? I would feel so I mean, gross admitting that to the world. Well, I thought that the winning part might might soften the blow, but maybe not. Maybe I maybe I'll just cut this whole section out <laughs> because I'm I'll be too ashamed when I'm editing it. Yeah, that is wow. That was way bigger than I was expecting. <laughs> I was. I think your reaction was more than I was expecting. So yeah, we're gonna. It's gonna see. We'll see if we can recover from this intro here, folks. We've got. Uh, we've got a classic Lords Limited episode for you. We got the full forty-five of a really sweet draft log from not Streets of New Capenna. Don't worry. We're gonna be looking at Dominaria United, of course, as a nice culmination to the last, I'd say, month of episodes that we've had about talking about you know pick order shifting, and I think we're just putting into practice all of the concepts we've been trying to lay out for you folks over the past few weeks. And I think this draft log is really going to highlight it. You know, I was trying to, when you sent me the log, I was like, oh, this is so good. But part of what I want to talk about is just like, well, I actually would have done this or I would have taken this card here. And But it's it's really interesting to see it under the lens of just one drafter, what their thought process is and what paths they're taking. So I'm excited to dive into that uh, for the whole episode today. Yeah, looking forward to it as well. I think I've got a doozy of a draft that I did pretty well in but made a couple key missteps that made our, my deck not as good as it could have been yeah for sure for sure so we're going to take a look at that in just a second a few housekeeping things to take care of first let's chat about the patreon page patreon.com slash lords of limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose of course the show is always going to be free but we like to give some perks back to our listeners who want to support the show in that way we've got access to our discord which is just one of the best resources on the internet i think the best 24 7 limited tech support as we talk about each and every week and if you can believe it new set season is actually just around the corner with uh, the brothers work coming out in just a few weeks in the first week of november i believe or the second week of november um so that's the best time to get in on the Discord. You want to get access to, you know, like-minded, limited individuals talking about card evaluations as spoiler season rolls around, uh, looking at the full set, looking at, you know, your initial drafts at your LGS and, ooh, what's the build here? What would you do with this sealed pool? All that good stuff. The 
Discord is an excellent place for that kind of discussion and a lot of other sweet perks as you move up the reward tiers over there at the Patreon page. And we love to shout out our new patrons the first week that they join. So this week we're welcoming Lionel, Brian, Chris, Susanna, Daniel, Mike, Sam, Andrew, Julian, and Christopher. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough, seriously. And I would just like to say to Brothers War, you better be a good format because this is not this is not Dominaria United getting pumped up like coming off the heels of some bad sets, which is true. This format is legitimately great, and I am gonna be very sad to see it go. So Brothers War, you've been put on watch. That's right. Show is also brought to you by TCG Player, best place to go for anything and everything you need to get magic related stuff. Whether that is a TCG player subscription, which is not only going to get you shipping discounts and other discounts on their website, more importantly for you all, it also gets you access to all the articles on CFB Pro. There's a ton of pros writing great strategy content, some of them about limited as well, and then me, you, Alex, writing strategy content weekly. So there's tons of good information on Channel Fireball Pro, which is available through a TCG player subscription. So if you previously had a Channel Fireball Pro subscription, it's been canceled now, so you no longer have access to those articles. If you want to continue to do that, you have to go to the TCG player website and re-up for a TCG player subscription. So if you're going to do that, or if you're going to purchase some magic cards, maybe you want to stash a box of Dominaria United sealed for a draft down the road with some friends, think I am probably going to make that purchase before this format rotates out. We used to have kind of a clunky way to redirect you to our website, but thanks to uh, Discord user Septum, we now have a redirect link thanks to them and some hard work from you as well. So if you go to <laughs> lordsoflimited.com slash TCG player, it will now redirect you to our TCG player affiliate link, which is much cleaner and easier way to do that. So for anything that you're going to do, please go to lordsoflimited.com slash TCG player. And if you don't remember that, you can also go to our website, click support and click on the TCG player link there that will also take you to our redirect link. So please, anything that you're doing over there, please take the time to use that link. And we would really appreciate you letting them know that we sent you over there. Boom. All right, we're going to take a quick ad break and we'll be back for the full 45. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month. And now for the plot twist. Nope, there isn't one. Seriously, Mint Mobile just has premium wireless from 15 bucks a month. There's no trapping you into a two-year contract or opening the bill to find all these crazy fees. There's no luring you in with free subscriptions or streaming services that you'll forget to cancel. There's none of that. I'm embarrassed to say how late it took me in life <laughs> to get off my parents' cell phone plan. I won't I won't name the year. And I know the same was true for a lot of my friends. And part of the reason is it's such a headache to deal with the phone company. But Mint Mobile makes things easy. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate, whether you're buying for one or a family. And at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Get premium wireless from just 15 bucks a month and no unexpected plot twists at mintmobile.com slash lol that's mintmobile.com slash lol seriously you'll make your wallet very happy at mintmobile.com slash lol and now back to the show all right ben let's kick things off here baby what do you got for me pack one pick one yeah pack one pick one there are a few options i think there are probably no commons in contention i don't even know what the best common is here probably a talus lookout two blue blue for a three two flyer when it dies look at the top two cards of your library put one of them in your hand and the other in your graveyard are you taking this card a little higher than you were a few weeks ago because in the the few draft logs you sent me as possibilities for this episode i feel like you were selecting it over maybe even some cards that i might have been like oh i wonder if he was thinking about this other one there too so are you are you higher on lookout these days I am a little bit, mostly because the blue spells decks where you get four Talarian Terrors just don't come together quite as often. And I think that bumps up Talus Lookout stock a little bit because it still lets you play a tempo game. It's just a tempo game with flyers and mount spells and things to keep your opponent off balance rather than just trying to actually power out Talarian Terrors. And Talus Lookout is an intrinsically powerful card. So yeah, I would say it's moved up slightly for me. Yeah, I, I agree. That's definitely how I felt about the card, too. Moving on to the uncommons. There's some good ones here. We've got Raph, Weatherlight, Stalwart, White, Blue for the 1-3. When you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may tap two untapped creatures you control if you do draw a card. And it's got the activated ability, three white, white creatures you control get plus one, plus one and gain vigilance until end of turn. Next to that, there's a Phyrexian Missionary, one white for a 2-3 with kicker, one and a black. It's got lifelink, and when it ETBs, if it was kicked, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Is that the best uncommon in the format? I was just thinking about that. So certainly Wing Mantle Chaplain is the best uncommon oh, yeah. format. Okay, but the best non-cheater right. uncommon. 
Yeah, well, that was my take early on. You know, I wrote a, an article for CFB about like the no pass rares, and missionary was sort of my honorary, you know, no pass uncommon before we knew how busted Chaplin was. Um, so I was just looking at 17 lands to see if there was anything I was missing. And, you know, the top four beyond Chaplin are Neshoba Brawler, Weathersea Treaty, Tatiova, and then Missionary. And I think for me, Missionary is there, but I could see, I think. Between Brawler and Treaty, what do you? What is your like domain preference? Or I guess between Brawler, Treaty, and Tatiova, even. I mean, I think uh, Brawler is the best of those when it comes out on curve, but Tatiova, I think, is the most powerful. Tatiova is bonkers. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. So I think I think Missionary still for me, but that's probably just a holdover of my love for the black white decks. Yeah, I, I also like Frexing Missionary. I'm a little down on Domain these days. I am too. I, I've been passing Tatiova on stream, you know, and not learning, not speculating <laughs> on it. Whatever. On it. <laughs> What's no, no? I'm not like passing it up for like worse cards. So you're um, not but taking I, Yosha declares war over Tatiova. We haven't reached that stage of the format. I don't think so. I, I have. I'll have to check my records to see if I've gone that deep. But no, I, I think I just mean that I, I have felt like. A lot has to go right for me to get a version of the domain decks that I'm happy with. Um, and I just don't feel like I can get that to happen draft in and draft out. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment. I think the the tier 1.5 or the tier 2 domain decks really have a hard time. Yeah, I mean, you, you just have to get like either those really strong uncommons. Obviously, you have to get the lands. You have to get some ways to, to fix, I think, other, otherwise. So like Weather Seed Treaty. And I think you also ideally are getting either you're getting those busted uncommons that are in, intrinsically good, like those ones we rattled off for the domain decks, or you're getting good stuff to splash. And I just think it's hard to check all those boxes. Yes, I completely agree. And for those of you that are not fans of Survivor, come on in Survivor, <laughs> Ethan's Survivor podcast. I just finished the latest episode where during the end of the episode, he was explaining to his co-host, Charlie, how <laughs> I love good cards and he loves bad cards. So I get to needle him about bad cards. But Ethan doesn't have anything to get on me about, which is not true. You have plenty to make fun of me for. But oh, yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah. do no, my I, best I, to needle you about Yosha Declares War the rest of the format. That's, I, <laughs> I, I take it in stride, my friend. I must take it in stride. So we've got the Raph, we've got the Phyrexian Missionary, and then we've got an Elvish Hydromancer, which I think is significantly worse than those two cards. It's the 2G3-2 that you can kick to make a copy of a creature. And then our rare is Valiant Veteran, one in a white for a 2-2. Other soldiers you control get plus one, plus one. And it's got the ability three white, white, exile this from your graveyard. Put a plus one, plus one counter on each soldier you control. I did. I, I had a bit of redemption after last week's uh, podcast where you know we talked about the red, white deck that could have been, right? When I went bared, bared, and then jumped off of it. Well, I, I redeemed myself. I got a red, white deck with five copies of uh, the Keldon Strike team. I had Bairds. I had a Valiant Veteran. It was incredible. So I definitely have, have found sweet homes for Valiant Veteran. And I just wanted to chat about Elvish Hydromancer for a second, too. I, I, every time I'm drafting some kind of deck where I can cast this and kick it, I look at the cards that I would want to copy, and they're all legendary. <laughs> I think that's a you problem. Oh, okay. All right. Never mind then. Um, so back to this pick. Uh, Phyrexian Missionary versus Raph, I think, is what it boils down to, right? Yes, I agree. And I think I would just be on Missionary. You know, Raph is is very good, but Missionary is is more flexible and, and arguably more powerful. I mean, just the fact that Missionary can be played, you know, it's it slots into that top tier of kicker cards where you're just like, oh, I will play this as a two mana, two, three lifelink in any white deck because that's a good two drop. And then if I'm white, black, great. And if I'm white, something else, maybe I can just try and mize kicking this and especially starting the draft off with it. You can, you know, if you end up in white, blue or white, red, well, maybe you snag a couple of, you know, on color black dual lands and that opens up the possibility for the gravedigger effect for you later on in the game. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I agree, Phyrexian Missionary, for all of the reasons that you mentioned. And I think we're slamming Missionary and then noting also that Captain's Call, the three white sorcery that makes three 1-1 one, one soldier tokens, and Phyrexian Warhorse, the three black 3-3 three, three with kicker white mm. that brings a 1-1 one, one along with it, could potentially wheel here. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. All right, moving on to pack one, pick two with a Phyrexian Missionary in the pile. There's two main cards in consideration here, I think. First of which is a common Argivian Cavalier, two and a white for a 2-2 within list. And when ETBs, you make a 1-1 one, one white soldier creature token. And then in the uncommons, there's one uncommon missing, but there's still an Aaron Benalia's Ruin in the pack. It's white, white, black for a 3-3 three, three with Menace, and you can pay white, black, tap, second of the creature, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. 
Yeah, I mean, I love Aaron. I have been defending this card on stream nonstop, I feel like, because the folks, I think, partially because of the data around it from 17lands.com sort of says the card is kind of mopey. Does it? Oh, the card is excellent. I know. I think this card is absolutely busted. Like the what I think people get caught up in or or maybe forget is that it's a three mana three three with menace. A three mana is only in white black, obviously, but three mana three three with menace is very good. And I think maybe people get caught up in the play pattern of am I supposed to just be activating this or can I attack with this? And you you really have to know when you're doing which because a three three with menace beating down, especially if you're backing it up with you know any kind of take up the shield style effects or whatever, is really tough to interact with. Yeah, this is as close to as good in black white as Elasilcor is. I mean, Elasilcor is better because it's a two drop and it's a slightly better effect, but it's that tier of power level in your three drop slot. Preach, my friend. So. For me, that's what I would take out of this pack, but I definitely can see the merits of Argivian Cavalier, which is what you took, and I think you should probably talk about why you chose that over the Uncommon. Yeah, I took Cavalier over Aaron Benalia's Ruin because it's a weaker card. Like, that is just factual, right? Aaron is a better card, but it's powerful in different ways, right? Which is that it leaves more paths open to me where I get mm-hmm. to play both of my first two picks, right? So if you take Aaron and black white is cut, you're having to abandon Aaron, you'll probably still find a way to play Phyrexian Missionary, but you also could totally pivot off of all of it. So it's not like by picking Aaron, you're locking yourself into black white here. But you are locking yourself into black white more than I am with our guy Van Cavalier, right? If black white continues to flow, I get a draft black white have a great deck. But if blue starts to flow, or if red starts to flow, I get to pivot into those paths easier than you do. And I think I value that a lot early in the draft, especially in this format. So I landed on the Cavalier over Aaron. And as our listeners know, I have no problem taking Baird, Baird, and then throwing those two picks into the dumpster and moving into some <laughs> other deck. And so I also have no problem starting with Missionary Aaron and saying, look, if if Black White isn't open. And I also have this like, I have really not gotten to draft Black White since those first few weeks of the format. Since, you know, I let everybody know how busted the deck was. Now it's it's being drafted too much. This is the curse of being an influencer and a content creator, Ben. I know, except I'm drafting black, white almost every draft. <laughs> when I have to pick a green card out of my first few packs, I'm so angry. Like if I have to pick Tatiova <laughs> because all I want to do is draft black, white. That's so funny. Love to see it. All right, so missionary into Cavalier. Missionary into Cavalier. Moving on to pack one, pick three. Again, I think there's two main cards in consideration here. First is Tribute to Urborg. One and a black for an instant with kicker, one and a blue. Target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. If the spell is kicked, that creature gets an additional minus one, minus one until end of turn for each instant sorcery card in your graveyard. And there's also Talarian Terror. Six blue for the five, five, costs one less to cast for each instant sorcery in your graveyard. And it's got ward two. Some other cards in the pack. There's a stall for time. There's a Coalition Sky Knight. That's the uncommon 2-2 flyer with Enlist. There's a Tura Kanurid Sky Knight. That's the blue, white, gold uncommon. That's a 3-3 flyer. When you cast an instant or sorcery, you get a 1-1 soldier. So like those are the level of white cards that are in the pack. And none of those are good enough, I think, to take over terror or tribute. Yeah, and I, I think you're feeling pretty good right now, at least you know, pack one, pick three. And, and I think you're feeling better than I would with uh, the Aaron in my pile because I would feel kind of priced into staying on the, the white-black path a little bit, whereas you get to just take this Talarian terror and kind of run with it if you want to. Yeah, and I mean... If I draft a good Talarian Terror deck, it's unlikely that Missionary and Argivian Cavalier are going to be key cards in that deck, but I just feel very flexible, and you obviously do as well. I think, are you still taking Terror here if you take Aaron? I think if I had Aaron in my pile, I could see taking, there's a land, there's Sunlit Marsh, which is the white-black tap land. I could see taking that, um, but I would like to think that I would still take Talarian Terror out of this pack. Right. That's what I landed on as well. I think the upside's too huge if you start getting past blue cards to ship a Tolarian Terror. I think this is the most important blue common, and I'm picking it as the best blue common as a result because I think blue decks don't function very well without it. So took Tolarian Terror, and again, worth noting that there is a Sunlit Marsh, the black-white land that we could wheel out of this pack. I think for me, Tolarian Terror is the best common in the set. Oof. Because it's the best build around, and it's so easily supported. Like, this is a whatever in in a blue base deck this is a easily four mana five five with ward two and sometimes it's just one mana yeah it's very powerful and i think we should mention why we're not talking about taking tribute here especially even if i took aaron if we're on that path and we trust me we won't continue to talk about this divergent draft path but tribute is just not 
that good in black white decks like you're very rarely having a high spell count you're really not interested in splashing blue very much in those decks um tribute is like you'll play one if you need that cheap interaction but white and black have interaction in spades and you can often get better options if this is extinguish the light are you taking extinguish here over tolarian terror instead of tribute if i have aaron you mean just in general, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, those are two different questions. If I have your path, it's an easy terror, I think. If I have Aaron in the pile, that's tough. I might just take Extinguish there, yeah. I think I would take Extinguish over Terror with my path as well. Whoa, really? I love Black White, baby. I'm a convert. Oh my gosh. Well, how how did this happen? How, how did we <laughs> switch roles here? You love to see it. Because I keep getting cut out of blue decks with Telerian Terror every time <laughs> I try to do it. So funny. All right. So we took the Telerian Terror, moving on to pack one, pick four with a missionary, a cavalier, and a terror in our pile. See the following cards as options. This is kind of a stinker of a pack. There's a Tangled Islet, a blue-green land. There's Talus Lookout, the two blue blue three two flyer. There's Impulse, one in a blue for an instant look at the top four, put one into your hand and the rest on the bottom. And then the only white card in the pack is Artillery Blast, one in a white instant domain, deals X to a tapped creature where X is one plus the number of basic land types you have. And then black cards, nothing great. Gibbering Barricade is probably the best of them. Two in a black for a two four defender. You can pay two in a black, sack a creature, gain a life, draw a card. Yeah, this I think might be a fundamental difference, slash maybe you being a little gun shy. Once I have Telerian Terrors, all I want is Impulse, because it it fuels the graveyard for Telerian Terrors to be cheaper, and it digs you towards Telerian Terrors, and just like plays well with all of the different things that Blue does, which is hold up Essence Scatter, or maybe Timely Interference, or Shore Up, or whatever. Yeah, I would buy that. I, I like the impulse pick. That's aggressive. I would not do that myself, but I, that might be a failing on my part. I would be certainly willing to see that. I just have gotten cut out of the terror deck so often by doing things like picking impulse here that I, I, yeah, I think you are right. The gun shy is probably the right term. Yeah, I can hear the the, the quivering, the PTSD <laughs> in your voice a little bit of like, I've done this before and then I get cut out, so I don't want to, which I think is I think it's totally fair or just like that you're maybe by taking lookout over impulse, you're recognizing again, maybe you're leaving more paths open the path where, well, I can end up in a blue white deck and maybe that blue white deck, it isn't trying to win the Telerian terror lottery of like getting two or three copies of it and then just that's the deck's game plan maybe this is going to be more of a blue white you know mid-range tempo more split of 14 creatures eight spells type deal that's where my head is at and i think impulse is the line for me like if this is essence scatter i'm taking it if this is Tolerian geyser i'm taking it if this is you know any of those good spells even phyrexian espionage taking it over talus look out here wow i think impulse is better than espionage in Telerian Terror decks. Ethan and I need to take a moment. We're going to go to some MTG couples counseling and we'll be back <laughs> shortly <laughs> agreeing on things. This, this, this is the problem is I've been drafting Streets of New Capenna for like three days and now I come back and I'm like, I don't know. Let's take impulse, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. Okay, so Missionary, Cavalier, Terror, now Talus Lookout. Two white cards, two blue cards. Yeah, moving on to pack one, pick five. See the following cards as options. There's two lands, a Tangled Islet and a Sacred Peaks, blue, green, and red, white, respectively. And then no white cards in the pack, which is kind of terrifying. Yeah. And then Writhing Necromass, which is six and a black for a five, five, costs one less cast for each creature card in your graveyard and has Death Touch. There's a Splatter Goblin here, one and a black for the two, one. When it dies, target creature and opponent controls gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. And then in the uncommons, there's still Vahar Vidalian Desecrator, Blue black for the one two, you can loot. And if you discard an instant or sorcery that way, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. And you can pay two sack it to cast target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard this turn. If that spell will be put into your graveyard, you exile it instead. You don't often get signals, I feel like, in DMU drafts because like the power level is so flat and everything's so contextual. But this is about as signally as you can get, I think. Yeah, this is a huge sign that potentially blue black is open, but also that white we need to be seriously thinking about abandoning ship on right we've not picked the white card since our first two cards and there's no white common in this pack and if you're not aware there is guaranteed to be a common of every color in packs on arena yes for sure yeah so i like taking the vohar here i think vohar plus necromass as well is both like keying me into maybe maybe there's a blue black path open for us here exactly right we're opening up a black path for ourselves here Moving on to pack one, pick six. Wah, wah. This is a terrible pack with 
only a sunlit Martian consideration. That's the white black duel. There's literally blue card Boda Sea Scavenger, terrible. Clockwork Drawbridge, terrible. Sengar Connoisseur, terrible. But you love to hear the Connoisseur. Uh, yeah, the best <laughs> card in this pack is Miria's Outrider, but that's so far away from where you are that it's hard to imagine taking it here. So I like snapping up the black white land opens up at least, you know, a splash of missionary, perhaps if you're blue black or you're white blue, something like that. Um, I also think Vohar is a reasonable splash in, in some kinds of decks. You know, if you don't play it on curve, it's not the worst. Yeah, I completely agree. And of blank packs, great that we get to pick up a black white land here. For sure. Yeah. Moving on to pack one, pick seven. The hits keep coming. There are no white commons again, pick seven. So again, really worried about drafting white. There's black cards, Eerie Soul Tender, two and a black for a three one. When it ETBs, you mill three. You can pay four and a black to exile it from your graveyard, return another creature card from your graveyard to your hand. If we wanted to live the blue life, there's still a coral colony here. One blue for a one four defender, and you can pay two to have target player mill X, where X is the number of defenders you have. There's also a haunting figment chilling around. I found haunting figment to be like a very serviceable card when you're like, I just need two drops for my blue based tempo decks. Like I'm blue red and I'm not getting the Gitu amplifiers of the world or whatever, the the electrostatic infantries. You know, I, I just need something that's going to be uh, strong on on turn two. And I would be tempted by the coral colony here, I think myself, just because like, I don't know why. I, I mean, I just like build rounds, you know me. Um, so I might be tempted there. But I really like that you've picked up on, hey, White's cut the past two packs. We just got the Vohar. So maybe I try and, and dip a little deeper into black and take Eerie Soul Tender here. Yeah, that's what I landed on for a couple of reasons. I think if you pass Soul Tender here and you take a blue card, it's much harder to have not only a good blue black deck, but it's way harder if white somehow randomly is super open in pack two and black is open in pack one, like to draft a black white deck where you pick up your white in pack two because you and your neighbor cut it going the other direction. And then you can mm -hmm. pick up black pack three and end up with a good black white deck that way. It's just so hard to do something like that after passing Soul Tender here that I think it gives you the most options going forward, especially since you've got a read that black is open. And then Coral Colony, while a good card, doesn't go great with any of your other cards so far. No, it, it really doesn't. I mean, there's a world where you can end up with a, you know, blue black control deck that has, you know, wins with colonies slash blight piles and, you know, whatever the, the bulwarks of the world. But I think you're you're right. You're far away from that. And if that's a path you're trying to go down, you'd rather have Eerie Soul Tender here because that opens up better options for you, not only for a blue black deck, but just in this draft in general, in terms of what you outlined of keeping you open to black white as well. Speaking of that deck, I just drafted that blue black deck yesterday and it was mm -hmm. incredible. But I think Soul Tender really ties the rim together here and also like pairs super well with your blue and black cards. Yeah, right. This is just I mean, it's why it's the best black common for me. And one of the best commons in the set, I think, is just how flexible it is and how it just does everything black decks want to do and how it does everything that a lot of other colors that it pairs with want to do. All right. So we grab the soul tender there. Moving on to pack one, pick eight, where there is, again, another super weak pack. There are literally this is so weird, literally only black and green cards in the pack. Right. And the black cards are all junkers. So I took a flyer on a sunbathing root wallow here, which is the one in a green 2-2 with domain 3G until end of turn. It gets plus one plus one for each basic land type among lands you control. Activate that ability only once. The black cards are all Ds. Would not really consider playing any of them. So take a sunbathing root wallow just in case domain randomly ends up being open. Yeah, I think that's totally reasonable. So now we're getting to the wheel. Did Captain's Call or the Warhorse come back for you? Unfortunately, they did not wheel, but... We did Wheel of Shadow Prophecy, which I do like, especially in white black decks that are maybe splashing another color. If you get X up to three and you get to see three cards, this is pretty nice in a in a black deck as a way to grind. This is two in a black for the instant. Look at the top X cards of your library where X is the number of basic land types. And then you put up to two of them in your hand and the rest in your graveyard. You lose two life. I have cast this as bad divination and I'm not I'm not embarrassed about it. Oh, I also have. No shame there. Yeah, I mean, there are some times where you're in a blue-black control deck and you just don't see espionages and you need some kind of two-for-one like this. You just need ways to pull ahead with raw card advantage and Shadow Prophecy can get the job done. Yep. Moving on to pack one, pick 10. Picked up a heroic charge. Two white-white with kicker one and a red. Creatures you control your plus two, plus one until end of turn. If it was kicked, 
Creatures also gain trample. No blue or black cards in the pack. Pick 11. We wield that Sunlit Marsh, which is another huge pickup and gives us a lot more options going forward. So we now have two black-white duels. Pack 1, pick 12. We wield the Gibbering Barricade, uh, the 2 and a black 2-4 Defender. And then pack 1, pick 13. I don't know what happened in my head here. There's a Splatter Goblin in the pack. 1 and a black 2-1. When this dies, target creature and opponent controls gets minus 1, minus 1. And there's a Thrill of Possibility. And I took Thrill of Possibility as my first red card, despite potentially wanting to play black. I just really don't like Splatter Goblin, but I definitely should have picked it here. Yeah, I mean, Goblin is a fine to medium to drop common. Yeah. And then pick 14, a smash to dust. All right. So talk to me about where you're at before we dive into pack two. We're in a fine spot, I think, considering how terrible the packs were. The packs were really weak, and we had to pivot out of our first direction with some weak packs to pivot into. That's when the drafts, I think, are the hardest in this format. So I think my read in pack one was that white was cut fairly hard from the right after our first, I don't know, four-ish picks, and Mm -hmm. black seemed the most open late to me. But it's really hard to tell when the packs are that bad. So our priority for pack two is to try to solidify, I think, what color combination of black white and blue we want our base two colors to be because any of them are viable right now especially if white is flowing in pack two Um, and blue didn't feel very open in the middle of pack one or the end of pack one either right we got that terror and that lookout and then blue also largely dried up i think yeah yeah so you know trying to feel out where you're going to be at with those three colors and i think also trying to anticipate perhaps like based on what happened in pack one what you might see from the left in pack two sort of what you were describing of well maybe black flows in pack one and three and because white was so heavily cut in pack two it might flow from our left and and maybe do you try and hedge your bets there or do you just say well blue black is going to be more open we'll have to wait and see right and worth noting also that terror is our best blue card and we do not have cards that work well with terror right now right yeah i mean there's a world where you could end up with uh with a good deck that that fuels it you know led by vohar and soul tender getting your yard full but yeah you're you're kind of far away from it all right we're gonna take a quick ad break and then we'll be back for pack two Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Adulting is hard. And while that is certainly a meme, it's also definitely true. As someone currently juggling work, various doctor's appointments, home ownership, renovations, and upcoming fatherhood, life can be a lot. When things pile up, it's often too easy to delay responsibilities rather than keep your brain in problem-solving mode. A therapist can help you become a better problem solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals no matter how big or small. I've actually recently started seeing a behavioral therapist locally, which has been immensely helpful to put things in perspective, have someone to bounce ideas off of, and just have a friendly face to be accountable to without being judged. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. The convenience and accessibility of it being entirely online makes it that much easier to make and keep appointments when your plate feels too full. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash lords today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash lords. And now back to the show. All right, Ben, pack two, pick one with your Esper pile. Here's what you got as options. Best blue card in the pack, I would say, is probably Timely Interference. Single blue instant target creature gets minus one, minus zero until end of turn. If it was kicked for one and a red, that creature blocks this turn of Able and you draw a card. There's a handful of white cards in the pack, a Griffin Protector, a Citizen's Arrest, and a Captain's Call at Common. I think if you're taking a white card, you would want to take the rare, which is Defiler of Faith, three white, white for a five, five with Vigilance. Uh, your white spells have that Phyrexian cost, so your white permanence can be cast with uh, two life instead of a white mana pip. And whenever you cast a white permanent spell, you make a one, one white soldier creature token. And then in terms of black cards, I would say there's two thoughts. One is Choking Miasma, one black, black, Sorcery, uh, all creatures get minus two, minus two until end of turn. And if it was kicked for a single green, you can put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature you control. And there's also Urg, Spawn of Turg, black, black, green for the star five. Its power is equal to the number of land cards in your graveyard. You get to surveil at the beginning of your turn and you can pay black, green, sack of land to gain two life. Yeah, I remember reviewing this draft log and looking at this pick and being like, what? was I thinking? But now I like re going through pack one in detail. I remember what my thought process was here. So I have the benefit of knowing how this draft 
ended up, which is, I think, partially why this pick seems so weird to me. But in pack one, if you remember, white was really cut, right? So yes. we had our first two picks as white cards. And then I thought, OK, white is not flowing. And for Defiler Faith to be really good, you need to be heavy white. And even uh-huh. then, it's dicey because it's often one of the last cards that's coming out of your hand because the white decks want to be aggressive and want to get under all the other decks that have better late game. So mm-hmm. I didn't love Defiler and I didn't love Citizen's Arrest because I was expecting white to be closed. And so we got that random late root walla and I picked Erg Spawn of Turg here thinking that, well, maybe we could be some sort of Abzan pile that has black green and then maybe splashes the Friction Missionary or, you know, who, who knows what our base two colors are, but maybe some sort of Abzan graveyard grind deck will be open to us. But this pack is a terrible pack to open, given that we're trying to find a direction in white, black and blue. These packs always feel the worst when you're like, I could be any combination of these three colors. How are there no picks for me? <laughs> you know, um, I actually really like the Erg pick for everything that you mentioned, plus the fact that Choking Miasma can wheel. And I really like Choking Miasma in a handful of, of black decks just because black decks are generally not aggressive and Miasma is very very powerful and i really like it with vohar or other ways to pitch it you know if you end up with a deck with academy walls or whatever that you get to be able to pitch those situational cards when they're not that great but when they are good on curve or whatever they're just aces yeah i agree so i landed on the erg spawn of turg here great and then pack two pick two Ooh, baby all right so here are your options you've got Tribute to Urborg is the only black card. That's the, the black removal spell with blue kicker. There's a Talarian Geyser as the best blue card and one of the best commons in the set overall. Two in a blue sorcery, return target creature to its owner's hand, draw a card. And then if it was kicked for a single white, you gain three life. And then, boy howdy, in the mythic rare slot, you get past a Johnny Sleeper Agent. It says one green-white and a green-white Phyrexian hybrid mana for a four-loyalty walker, but it's completed. Um, and if you paid the Phyrexian mana symbol with two life, it enters the battlefield with two fewer loyalty counters. Plus one, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature or planeswalker card, you put it into your hand. Otherwise, you may put it on the bottom of your library. Minus three, distribute three, plus one, plus one, counters among up to three target creatures. They gain vigilance until end of turn. And then minus six, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a creature or planeswalker spell, target opponent gets two poison counters. Yeah, I've only played against a Johnny, but I have not been super impressed with it. I mean, it's a planeswalker. It's a good card, but it has been beatable in my experience. What have you felt about a Johnny? Uh, I see planeswalker. I take planeswalker. <laughs> so I'm a simple I'm a, man. I'm a simple man, Ben. <laughs> Especially after the Erg pick, it'd be tough for me to not just be like, well, I'm just going to take this. I, I, But I hear what you're saying about like in the deck that I would be navigating towards, which is the, the Abzan pile deck you outlined. I don't think that's setting a Johnny up for success, to be honest. Right. It wants to be in a focused green, white, go wide deck. Right. Or a focused white, white X, go wide, go deck, wide yes. deck that is splashing green for a Johnny, you know? Right. Which is I, not I the Abzan deck you are outlining. Not at all. No. So I'm like I said, I don't I think if I took a Johnny here, I would not be setting it up for success here. Yeah. So it was between, I think, a Johnny and tribute here, because I think of what happened in pack one, we are most likely to be black and tribute also Mm -hmm. goes very well with Fahar. Like we want to be blue black. It goes well with the Tolarian Terror. It basically does everything we're wanting to do. And so I took it here over the Ajani. Yeah, I, I think that's a really smart pick. And I, I honestly doubt I would have uh, would have been able to do that in the moment. And just one more thing with Tribute versus Tolarian Geyser. I think we should shout out why we didn't pick Tolarian Geyser because Geyser is a great card with Tolarian Terror, right? Geyser has gone down for me quite a bit since the start of the format. One, because blue is a little more contested, but Also, Geyser, I think, really only maximizes itself when you're doing one of two things. Either you're churning out Tolarian Terrors like no one's business, which is hard to do anymore in the format, or you're very proactive, right? You need to be putting pressure on the opponent and leveraging the bounce ability to push damage for Tolarian Geyser to be a good card. And right now, our deck doesn't do that. So I think Tribute is the more powerful, flexible, interactive spell here between the two of those at this point in the draft. I'm really glad that you made that point because this is something that I've been talking on stream about as well when I pass up on Geyser or when folks are like, well, we could, what if we take that blue land and you splash Geyser or whatever? I'm like, 
look, the floor of Geyser is quite high, right? It always replaces itself and you always have that, you know, possibility of gaining three life or whatever. It's always going to be good. But what you're talking about is so important. Why it's so strong in those blue tempo decks or in fueling Talarian Terrors is because, yes, that floor still exists of it's always going to, you know, one for one and gain you a little bit of life, buy you a little bit of time, whatever. But when it gets to bounce a thing, push six damage or bounce a thing, and now I'm playing Talarian Terror for two mana or whatever, that's when it's so powerful. That's why it's one of the top commons in the set. Yep. Agree. All right. Pack two, pick three. There is another Sunlit Marsh, but you already have two of those in your pile. There is a Phyrexian Rager, two and a black, two, two, and an ETBs, you draw a card and you lose a life. And honestly, that's about it. I guess we could shout out Queen Alanol of Ruidoc, green, white, white for the star star. Its power and toughness are each equal to the number of creatures you control. And if one or more creature tokens would be created under your control, you make an additional 1-1 white soldier creature token. Yeah, I think this is a clear Phyrexian Rager for me. And I think we're almost certainly locking in black as a color here, right? You talk about points where you're, you know, we're waffling around. We have black, we have white, we have blue, all as viable paths. This, I think, is we take Phyrexian Rager. We just took Tribute into Rager. Like mentally, I'm locking in black right now. Yeah, for sure. So pack two, pick three, locked into black. And would you say there is a another color that you have as your secondary? Because right now you've got, it's basically toes dipped into three with Rootwalla and Erg for green, Vohar, Talus Lookout, and Talarian Terror for blue, and then Phyrexian Missionary and Cavalier for white. I think I am most likely to be blue black right now, followed by black green soup, like splashing missionary and maybe a Vohar and the kicker on tribute or what have you. But I think blue black is where my mind is at. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, pack two, pick four. This is interesting. You've got a handful of options here. There's Radiant Grove, which is the green white tap land. There's another writhing necromass. That's the black cost reduction creature. There's Essence Scatter, one on a blue for an instant counter target creature spell. And in the uncommon spot, you have Blight Pile hanging out, one on a black for a 3-3 defender. And you can pay two in a black, tap it to have each opponent lose X life, where X is the number of creatures with defender you control. Yeah, this is a doozy of a pick here, right? Like This is <laughs> decision time because- It is could, kind of, right? We could take a black card and kind of delay that decision, but you're giving up equity by delaying that decision, right? Because then you're passing Scatter, which is premium- if you decide to be blue black. And then there's also Radiant Grove if you want to live that Abzan life that's kind mm-hmm. of irreplaceable to pass here if you want to continue to keep green as an option. And I ended up settling on Essence Scatter, but this was an incredibly difficult pick because we have all these paths open, but we don't really know what the right answer is yet because the packs, again, have still just largely been weak. We haven't gotten something that says, yes, do this. Like we're having to forage our own way through this draft. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I don't hate the scatter pick here. Between Blight Pile and Necromass, what would your choice be? I think just looking at our curve, I tend to lean Blight Pile, but Necromass is much higher upside. I don't know. I probably would take the Necromass. We already have a Soul Tender and we have the Bahar to loot that opens up Mm -hmm. things like War Leech being good down the road. I think I would take the Necromass. Yeah, I think that's fair, too. And I think both of those are, are definitely defensible picks. But grabbing the scatter, I think you're kind of, you know, much like you said, I think we're locked into black. I think the scatter pick there is making a kind of decision. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I'm mentally locking in blue as a second color here. Not like 100%, but this is I want to be blue black. And then all of a sudden the draft hands you this pack in pack two, pick five, which has two Primo white commons in destroy evil, one in a white instant, choose one, destroy target creature with toughness four or greater, or destroy target enchantment. And on our Givian Phalanx, five and a white for the four four cost reduction for creatures you control, and it has vigilance. There's also a Phyrexian Rager there. And in terms of blue cards, another timely interference and an idyllic beachfront that's the blue white tap land. This is another super hard pick here, right? We could easily slam Phyrexian Rager and just continue on our blue black route happily. But literally the best card we have in our pile is that pack one, pick one Phyrexian Missionary. And taking Idyllic Beachfront here, which is the blue-white dual land, gives us our third white source to where we could splash Phyrexian Missionary, which is the type of card you want to splash because then you're casting it later in the game to rebuy something. That We get to do that with no cost to our mana base, essentially, if we pick up Idyllic Beachfront here. So I took the Beachfront 
knowing that I was definitely going to be able to play the missionary in blue black then, and then passing up on Rager and Destroy Evil, which hurts because those are both great cards. And I think we would really like the Phyrexian Rager here. I think this is, again, another really great point to highlight because a lot of folks might say, oh my gosh, how are you taking this land over a primo playable like Phyrexian Rager? But the way Ben is framing it of like, look, we already sort of with our last pick of Essence Scatter decided that blue is our second color. And so by taking Beachfront, you are also effectively taking Phyrexian Missionary, right? You're unlocking Missionary from a sideboard card to a main deck card at no cost to your mana, as he said, right? With two Sunlit Marshes and a Beachfront, that is three free white sources, and that's what you want for a single pip splash. Right. And this is also going messy enough that taking Beachfront here, if we get another couple white, black, or white, blue duels, like we could be a little more aggressive with cards that we're splashing. Yeah. Well, what about the next pack, pack two, pick six, which presents you with another white two drop? Are you going to be splashing Knight of Dawn's Light, Ben? One on a white two, two with first strike. If you would gain life, you gain that much life plus one instead. And it has one on a white to give it plus one, plus one until end of turn. I mean, that's one of the best uncommons in the set, my friend. Yeah. What is this doing here is what I want to know. We've we took two white cards in pack one and then have not seen another white card really until last pack. And now Night of Dawn's Light here. This is one of the best uncommons for white and one of the best uncommons in the set period. So we had just locked in blue black. And now all of a sudden I'm like, well, because there's a writhing necromass here, too. Like we could take necromass and stick to our guns and be blue mm-hmm. black splash Frex and missionary. But I think we made all this effort to keep ourselves kind of open. And I think this is where you get paid off for it. So we took Night of Dawn's Light here and all of a sudden white's back on the menu, baby. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And the the choices just keep on coming for you. Pack two, pick seven. You've got decisions between stall for time. That's the two and a white instant with kicker one and a blue. You tap up to two target creatures. If it was kicked, they don't untap during their controller's next untap step. And you draw a card. They're shore up single blue instant target creature you control gets plus one plus one and gains hexproof until end of turn. Untap it. And Arona Shouldred's Faithful, one blue, black, black for a 3-4. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, each opponent loses one life, and you can cast it from your graveyard by discarding two cards in addition to paying its mana cost. Yeah, I think stall for time here over nothing. I don't know if that's offensive to Rona for you, but I don't like Rona much, and I think stall for time is potentially great here. I really don't understand the Rona hate. (laughs) <laughs> I, 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 I don't it doesn't make any sense to me like i see the conversations in the discord of people being like oh i don't care about rona but like this card is fine and, and i don't understand what is a stall for time doing for you i mean not much but i don't think rona is doing much either and i i do like the potential blue white where stall for time is making artillery and terror cheaper while giving us a little bit of time wait there's there is no world where you are going to be blue white there's no world where you're giving up on black yeah maybe i mean no you have, you're going to you have six playables right now if you give up on black. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? We're very light on playables in every color combination here. <laughs> All right, fine. So uh, Ben takes the stall for time here. Pour one out for Rona. Pack two, pick eight. What do we got here? We've got a shield wall sentinel four mana for the one three defender, and it tutors up a defender when it comes into play. And I guess nothing else, really. Phyrexian Vivisector as a junkie two-drop in black and Automatic Librarian as a three-mana, three-two artifact that scries two, but, like, nothing else, really, that you care about. Yeah, nothing here. Took a Shield Wall Sentinel to go search up our Gibbering Barricade, which, if we pivot back towards black-white, lets us grind a little bit because we don't have a good aggressive go-wide theme, and that gives us something to do with, like, our tokens from the Argivian Cavalier that we have or things like Mm. that. Yeah, all right. And then rounding out the wheel here, end of pack two, you snap up a Citizen's Arrest over a Griffin Protector out of your first pack. No choking miasma to be seen on the wheel there. So I'd say the the, the green-black dream is dead. A Gin of the Fountain, pack two, pick ten. That's the six mana four for Uncommon Flyer. Clockwork Drawbridge to maybe go with your Shieldwall Sentinel. A Writhing Necromass, pick twelve. And our Givian Phalanx, pick thirteen. And then a Clockwork Drawbridge, pick fourteen. So what are your thoughts after the end of pack two? Similar to the end of pack one. Unfortunately, like we're still desperately looking for are we black white or are we blue white? Because we picked up enough white there on the wheel that I, I do think blue white's kind of back on the menu. Mm-hmm. It was just so hard because we had locked in blue black mentally in the middle of the pack. And then we got that late night of dawn's light. And maybe I just should have ignored it. But that card is so powerful. 
And our best card in Phyrexian Missionary is white, and it's also best if you're black-white. So I thought maybe there's a way I can just shoehorn my way back into black-white. But again, we're just desperately looking for a direction in pack three, and we've got to make some hard choices and commit. So, I mean, we, we often talk about, well, delay the decision, and well, it's okay, I feel fine about having, you know, five different colors and five draft picks. I think both you and I in this spot feel kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> is oh, that fair to say? Yes, definitely. I mean, and I tried to lock it in, but then that Night of Dawn's Light was, and some of that too is that the packs have been weak, and so I'm trying to maximize power level that I get as well. But this is, this is no longer delaying the decision. This is full-on waffling, but I also think the way the draft <laughs> has gone has led me to waffle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. You, I, I mean, like you said, your most powerful card is still your pack one, pick one. And that's a rough spot to be in, especially when that's kind of on an island by itself. Like the draft has been sort of telling you to be blue black, but missionary is your best card. And then Night of Dawn's Light pack two, pick six shows up. And then you're like, well, now my two best cards are white two drops. What the heck am I supposed to do? I agree. I don't think this draft has been on easy mode at all. Right. So what happens pack three, pick one? We get some direction, baby. So pack three, pick one. We open Frexian Missionary, which is a huge site for sore eyes. So we get a second copy of that. And that almost certainly means that now white has gone from being off the menu to almost definitely locked in as our main base color. Right. So two missionaries now and a Knight of Dawn's Light, plus that super duper late Argivian Phalanx to pair with. Let's not forget that pack one, pick two, you got Argivian Cavalier. So you've got a really good core of white cards here. And I think the second missionary like really ties the room together. But you're also kind of in panic mode at the moment. Yes. And noting that we could wheel a captain's call, a blue white duel or a Phyrexian warhorse here. Though you had you had that same wheel possibility in pack one with call and warhorse and neither came back. Right. A little concerning. All right. Moving on to pack three, pick two. This is where the draft really starts to go downhill. (laughs) Oh, no. So we've got hard choices here. Good cards, which is good, but uh, tough decisions. So there's an extinguish the light 2BB instant destroy target creature planeswalker. If its mana value is three or less, you gain three life. Micromancer, three and a blue, three, three ETBs. Search your library for an instant sorcery card with mana value one. Reveal it. Put it in your hand, then shuffle. And there's also cut down. Black for an instant destroy target creature with total power and toughness five or less. Yeah, so the best card in this pack is Micromancer. I think blue is your least likely color at the moment. If white has now moved up to most likely, I would say black is second most and blue being third. And while Micromancer is powerful, you have literal no targets for it. Um, So that seems like a couple of hoops you have to jump through. So I'd be picking between the two black removal spells of Cut Down and Extinguish. And I think Extinguish is more important for your deck at the moment. Yes, I should have taken Extinguish the Light here. And I I don't know how I ended up on Micromancer. There was a lot going on in Twitch chat. (laughs) And I don't want to blame Twitch chat. This is my mistake, but should have taken a black card here. This is, I think, the first egregious pick in the draft. I should have taken Extinguish the Light and it goes much more smoothly from here if I do that. But I took Micromancer heading back towards blue-white splashing the kicker on Phyrexian Missionary. It's just Hill Giant for you right now. I know. I just assumed I was going to get a one CMC thing, right? (laughs) Easy. Easy, easy peasy. All right, so moving on to pack three, pick three after taking the Micromancer. Kind of feeling rewarded. There's an Essence Scatter here and literally no good black or white cards. I mean, there's a Pilfer, but this is not the style of deck for Pilfer. That's the one in a black. Target opponent reveals their hand, choose an on-land card from it. That player discards that card. You really want a lot of card advantage in decks that run Pilfer. Right. I think that's that's fine in those most controlling of blue-black control decks, but otherwise, I agree. I don't think it's good here. There's a Timely Interference to go with your Micromancer. No no, no love? No love for the Timely Interference, no. Uh, took, took Scatter over the Timely Interference. I think that makes sense to me. All right, moving on to pack three, pick four. The weak packs continue in this draft. Wow. So there's a stall for time, the two and a white tap two creatures, and you can stun them if you kick it. There's a griffin protector, three and a white for the two, three flyer. There's a gibbering barricade. There's a captain's call. Like, there's nothing good here. Yeah, this is tough. I, I, I mean, I have this. It's so hard because I'm looking at the 17 lands uh, version of the deck. 17 lands is also having a bit of a tough time figuring out what your deck looks like. <laughs> with the possible main deck, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the possible main deck here, it's got, you know, white, blue, and black cards in the pile. Um, so it's hard to figure out, like, what you actually need in terms of curve considerations. But it doesn't, it looks like your four drop slot will likely be open. And so I might be looking at just snagging a Griffin Protector here as, like, a, an evasive threat. I know it's not a good card or anything, but. I don't, I don't know if we can be that choosy at this point. 
yeah, I took stall for time here, actually, thinking still that Micromancer was going to be great and that I was going to be <laughs> blue-white and the stall for time was going to make my Tolarian Terror better. Ah, uh, okay, okay, I hear that. All right, so grab stall for time there. Moving on to pack three, pick five. See the following cards as options. There's take up the shield. One and a white for an instant. Put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. Gains life link and indestructible until end of turn. No blue cards in the pack. And then in black, there's an eerie soul tender and a Phyrexian Warhorse. And this is where things really go downhill. Yeah, this is tough. I mean, I guess with your path here of the Micromancer scatter stall for time, you're kind of thinking about blue white at the moment. Is that fair? Yeah, that's where my head's at. So you have to take take up the shield. But I think you would like to be able to take soul tender here because it fuels your necromass it's just good it gives you a two for one like you can you know two soul tenders and two phyrexian missionaries you can grind with those kinds of cards yes i i definitely messed up that micromancer versus extinguish pick and if you take extinguish here it's an easy soul tender and i think you're onto the races drafting black white so yeah really feeling the punishment of that one misstep here pack three pick two um, but I do take take up the shield here and then moving on to pack three, pick six, pick up an Argivian Cavalier, which is sight for sore eyes like that yeah. is huge pickup right now at this point. And then moving on to pack three, pick seven, Ooh. there's another Whoa. tough pick. So there's an essence scatter in the pack. If we're thinking we're blue, white, there's also Aaron Benalia's ruin, white, white, black, three, three menace per our earlier discussion. And there's also an eerie soul tender here. So I could take essence scatter and stay blue white. And this is finally where I realize, oh, shoot, like I don't have anything for Micromancer. I don't have any good blue cards. What have I done? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. I think as, as you already said, I think if you take the extinguish over Micromancer, you have a much clearer path. And I think, you know, talking about Aaron versus Soul Tender, there's only one world where you're playing either of them, and that's where you're pairing it with white. So if you're pairing it with white, you take Aaron over Soul Tender every time. Yes. And that's what I did here. And then also knew there was some black white stuff that could wheel. So scrapping for playables. Pack three, pick eight, pick up a splatter goblin. Pack three, pick nine, we do wheel Phyrexian Warhorse, which is a huge wheel. Pack three, pick 10, wheel a Griffin Protector, which slots well into the curve. Pack three, pick 11, wheel a Battle Rage Blessing, and then don't get anything else really. Oh, that's not true. We pack three, pick 14, we get a Meteorite to tie our terrible mana base together. I forgot about that. So five mana artifacts, ETBs, deals two damage to any target, and you can tap it to add one mana of any color. The, the most important Meteorite, a sight for sore eyes. This is so funny. So when I, I saw this draft log, you know, Went through it pretty quickly. I was like, oh, this looks good. Looked at the final deck. I was like, oh, great. Ben, Ben, spoiler, went 7-2 with this deck. So got maximum wins, got the trophy here. I saw black and white cards. I was like, oh, he finally got back to black, white. And now I'm looking at this picture a little deeper <laughs> and a little clearer. And I am seeing <laughs> some, uh, some questionable choices here, sir. Why don't you walk us through this final build? I mean, questionable choices. This deck went 7-2. What is there to question? There's nothing to question. That's that's just science right there, baby. <laughs> so we'll run down the deck. In the two drops, there's Knight of Dawn's Light, Double Phyrexian Missionary, Splatter Goblin, Battle Rage Blessing, Take Up the Shield, Tribute to Urborg, and two copies of Essence Scatter. That's what Ethan is questioning here. Wow. And then Big in the, wow. <laughs> in the three drop slot, we've got Double Argivian Cavalier, Aaron Benalia's Ruin, Eerie Soul Tender, Phyrexian Rager, Citizen's Arrest, Shadow Prophecy, and Double Stall for Time. In the four drop slot, Griffin Protector and Phyrexian Warhorse. Five drop slot, a Meteorite. And then an Argivian Phalanx and a Writhing Necromast as cost reducers rounding out the top of the curve. So I want to defend my Essence Scatters here a little bit. When you want to talk about your mana base? Yeah, my mana base is excellent. So I have five. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> so yeah, I have five white sources. Three blue sources. I meant that non-sarcastically, and you're making me feel bad now. So I have five white sources uh, in five planes, three blue and three islands, and six swamps, and then the blue-white duel and the two black-white duels. So end up with eight white, eight black, four blue, which is not atrocious. That's functional. And then the meteorite also to put us up to <laughs> nine... <laughs> 995 can you stop bullying me on air right now <laughs> it's just like i just love that i get trashed for liking yosha declares war and rona and you're like and the and the meteorite which is is really good for splashing essence scatters <laughs> i mean to be fair 
Essence Scatter is a good splash because it's relevant all the way through the game and is mana efficient. That is a good splash card. It's, I mean, yeah, it's fine. I, 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 it's fine. That's fine. It's not a bad splash card. Let's put it that way. Okay. Ideally, you're not splashing Essence Scatter, but if you're splashing. There we, there we go. Ideally, you're not splashing card. Essence Scatter. That's the sentence. It is a splashable card. So, yeah, we had the two stall for times, which already incentivized us to want to play blue, as well as the kicker on Tribute to Urborg. So... I think Tribute to Urborg honestly also tripped me up through that draft now that I'm kind of thinking back on it. Hmm. I don't know, but I definitely messed up pack three, pick two. And if I take Extinguish there, I think I end up with a pretty streamlined black-white deck and make playables. Yeah, without the blue splash and the meteorite, I think you probably do, though you may still like dip your toe in for the stall for times. I don't know. So how, how did this deck end up playing out? Was it tempo-y? Was it grindy with the missionaries? A little bit of both? A little bit of both. It could curve out and put pressure on you and then tempo you out with stall for times and essence scatter. It also could grind a little bit with the the soul tender. And we had some Phyrexian missionary loops with Aaron on the battlefield, which was super awesome, like sacking one Phyrexian missionary to put counters on the team. Oh, and my casting God. the other one to rebuy it. Just infinite sacrifice fodder for the Aaron, which was pretty sweet. That's really cool. Love to see that. Yeah. One question I have here from the sideboard is heroic charge any thought to that over the second stall for time um i liked the stall for time i didn't Mm -hmm. think we were going quite wide enough for the heroic charge to really be good and the only way to kick it is meteorite and i think if you're not going really wide you really need to be able to kick it for it to be a great card yeah that's probably true yeah your creature count is despite having the loops with like the two missionaries and soul tender creature count is on the the lighter side for sure yeah yeah, it is actually it, there, there is, you know, I'm making fun of you for the mana base, but I do think this splash is like kind of brilliant in terms of like maximizing the cards that you do have access to. And there's even a little wiggle room of, you know, you have quite a few spells. I think you could have thought about splashing Telerian Terror. I think you could have thought about splashing Vohar as well, you know, depending on how deep you wanted to go or maybe replacing one of the scatters or whatever. You do have some some interesting wiggle room or interesting decisions to make when you get to this final build. Right. I completely agree. And I think more than anything, I want to go back and just highlight in the draft that it was tough because of some things that we had decided incorrectly, right? Like, so you have to be careful Mm. when you're locking things in that what you're saying to yourself is true, right? Like there was a point where I had locked in black and then I'd kind of forgotten that I had locked in black. And I think so in pack two, we, we had those picks where we went uh, Frexian Rager, lock in black into Essence Scatter, lock in blue, and then got that n- late Night of Dawn's Light that sort of threw everything topsy-turvy. Mm-hmm. But I think if we realize that our black is deeper than our blue, that we just kind of have to go black-white in pack three. This is the Micromancer pick just threw everything way out of whack. And then I compounded that mistake by continuing to go down a blue route with Micromancer a little bit longer than I should have. I didn't realize my mistake quickly enough. No, I think that's it's uh, I think this is a really, really great draft for, you know, mining packs of all that they can provide in terms of you really just didn't see anything very powerful. I mean, do you have literal no rares? Oh, definitely literal no rares, yeah. Which I guess is not like that's crazy not for this format. this format. No. But it's still it's still but still noteworthy, I think, to be like you didn't see you know, all three of your rares were just kind of whatever. Um, and, and that your power level really largely remained from the beginnings of your pack with the missionary in, in pack one and pack three. Yes. And good thing that we kept white open as an option, because if we had abandoned ship on white, our blue black deck would have been so sad. You would have had two Ronas. Two Ronas, unbeatable. (laughs) All right, any parting thoughts about this full 45 before we wrap things up here? No, I think this is great. I mean, like I said, I really loved how you navigated and left yourself open. And, you know, the Micromancer pick, whatever, obviously it's a mistake. But you definitely recognized it in the draft, perhaps maybe a little later than you would have liked. But we're able to salvage. And like you said, deck got 7-2. So how can you complain? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So I think takeaways from this are when the packs are weak. You know, you got to do your best to forge a path. And I think this this type of draft is more interesting to take a look at than one where you just get the domain nuts awesome sauce. Right. Because once you're drafting domain, it's just picking lands and good cards and figuring out how to cast them. And that's not quite as interesting of a puzzle to me. I agree with that for sure. Well, and it's just a, a different puzzle of like, OK, do I need to take this land here or do I need to take this removal spell or can I splash this thing? And 
that's also kind of harder, I think, to outline on the podcast because you're like, all right, but with these lands, I have access to like three different red sources, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. All right. So hopefully you were able to follow along with that. And next week is 50 takes, baby. I know. Format is over. It's so sad. So very sad. I agree. Brothers War. Again, (laughs) you're on watch. You're on watch. All right, with that, great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thanks so much to TCGplayer.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over there to sign up for their subscription or to purchase anything and everything magic-related, please go to lordsoflimited.com slash TCGplayer to redirect you over to their website for any of your purchases. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash lordtupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash mrmetronome. Fall break, baby. You can check us out on Twitter under those same usernames, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.